Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Hashtag No Limits. I'm your host, Shelly Kino. Hashtag No Limits is about people that society puts limits on, but who have faced those limits and busted through them. Ophelia said in Hamlet, we know who we are, but not what we may be. I believe this to be true and that there is no better example of this than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The caterpillar literally dissolves and its cells reform into a butterfly. As the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it has to struggle in order for its wings to be strong enough to fly. Obviously, this is no easy process, but neither is breaking through limits that society has set upon a person. But just like the caterpillar, when we believe in ourselves, we can accomplish more than others might think. If we have a support system around us to encourage and facilitate our growth, even better. One area where I have seen societal and educational limits is on children who are cognitively impaired or are visually impaired. And that brings me to my guest today, my friend, Lisa Shaw. Lisa is a mom, wife, entrepreneur, fellow master IEP coach, fellow escape room escapee, and works in the corporate world. Do you sleep, Lisa? <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, thank you for joining me today and agreeing to be on with us. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Sorry, I'm looking off to the side to make sure that we're live and things are working like they're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So tell us about you. <laughs> well, um, I will um, start out since you kind of um, threw out that olive leaf about vision impairment. Um, I was born with a very rare eye um, impairment where um, I don't have an iris. Um, I was born with significant cataracts. Um, so due to all of those complications, um, I actually am considered, considered legally blind. Um, I don't have any peripheral vision. Um, I don't have any clear vision. The limited amount of vision that I have is a really teeny tiny um, pinpoint of me looking forward. And even that is completely really fogged over and distorted um, of what I see versus a neurotypical person like yourself, Shelly, um, due to the cataracts. And um, so from the first day I was born, um, I've always had um, challenges to be able to adapt to the world um, that everyone else knows of. Um, and so that has led me through this lifelong journey um, to understand the special needs education um, and the um, profound need that is out there um, for the special needs community to ensure that we provide the right supports and services um, for we all can live a fulfilled life. And I feel that myself can be a beacon, a beacon of hope on the way I have led my own life, um, that there is um, unlimited potential in everyone. Um, and then it, then it kind of reinforced it when we had our first son and with him being diagnosed with autism and severe anxiety and ADHD, that just elevated my passion even more for the special needs community to help them. I did not know that about your son. So in our talk today, if at any point you want to bring in any limits that 
maybe society has set upon him that he has busted through. I would be happy to include that. Um, that that's what this is all about is that without even realizing it, a lot of times people put limits on themselves as well as on other people. And I love to talk about how we're breaking those limits and how we are um, pushing those limits out of the way or maybe making them um, further down the road of, okay, yeah, there, I mean, everybody hits a limit at some point, but it's usually, or it doesn't have to be as close as people, a lot of people want to set that limit. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I did not know that about your son. So that's, that's exciting. Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning, Lisa and I met through the master IEP coach program. And when I first met you, and I bet you hear this a lot, I had no idea that you were legally blind. Um, and I, I don't know that I would have treated you differently if I had known. And I, now that I do know, I don't think I treat you differently than I had when I first met you. Mm -hmm. Um, is that a typical response that you get from people? It, it actually is. Um, because, um, I'll hear those responses followed by, you know, you do, do everything normally like I even do. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 I think there's an advantage that I was born with my sight impairment versus people that um, after they have had normal vision and then they lose it later on in life, it is a much harder struggle for them to adapt to those um, new limitations that they have after they had um, full eyesight with full independence. Um, I, 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 never, I don't know anything different. So I've always lived my life with knowing I had to adapt, um, but I also um, lived my life, and this was helped to be instilled by my parents that, and it's a fine balancing act of my parent. I always knew I had a disability with my vision, but my parents always focused on what my abilities were, not what my disabilities were. And um, I think me working in the special needs community, a uh, lots of times the parents shame their child um, potentially, or the child, you know, perceives that they're shamed to have a disability um, that can limit a child's um, because they're going, well, I have a disability. Um, I'm not going to push myself. And lots of times um, the child doesn't even, um, so they use that as an excuse, their disability to, to not push themselves. Versus my parents always um, use my disability as it, you have it, but you have so many more abilities, Lisa. And if you want to achieve a dream or a goal, there is no reason you can't. You may need to be creative and um think outside of the box to figure out how to achieve that dream and that goal, but there's nowhere written that you can't achieve it. And that is the reason why I am so big into strength-based um, thinking about a disability because there is totally unlimited possibilities. And the things um, that I have accomplished, um, 
even extracurricular activities, people are marveled by what I can do. But I, I strive to enjoy life and have a fulfilled life. So that's why I make sure I um, achieve my goals however I need to. And when you were going through school, um, did you have to go to a special school for legally blind or were you within the general population, general education schools? How did that work? Yep. So um, my brother also, um, I have two brothers. One of them um, did have the same eye condition as me. He's, old, he's about eight years older than me. He did go a portion of his time um, to the Iowa Department for the Blind School. I'm here in Iowa. Um, but then he transitioned out of that into um, our home community school um, for his high school years. Um, once again, that shift occurred um, due to my parents wanting to make sure he wasn't sheltered uh, mm -hmm. only with the Department for the Blind and be able to be have that inclusive experience with the real world society that my brother would have to learn how to work with and cope with and everything. And um, that was a really good decision by my parents. It was a good transition for my um, brother to prepare for the real world after high school. So when I came along eight years later, I was an oops baby. <laughs> That um, I have, I had always went to the general education um, homeschool, um, but I do have to admit, and it, it's it's a, a portion of part of my tapestry. But it, it was traumatizing at the time, and it still feels like a fresh wound when I think about it. But I did have instances, three specific ones, um, I could recite where I was, what was said, what the teacher was wearing where three different teachers actually did tell me that because I was blind, I was too stupid to learn. And those are the words that they said. Oh and I needed to just sit in the back of the classroom and um, just keep myself occupied. And, you know, for some kids um, that could have, you know, caused them lifelong trauma. But for me, um, it, that just gave me more determination of, what? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Good but, for you. <laughs> but unfortunately, I know that happens out there. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, if kids don't have the right inner strength, um, th that it, it, it's going to be traumatizing and it could limit them further on in life. And even high school, um, I had, had a situation where um, the teacher practically just gave me the answers to the test because she didn't want to take the time to modify my test for they were in larger font for me to take it. So basically she just passed me um, saying, you don't have to take the test. Don't worry about it and everything because she wasn't willing to provide that accommodation. So um, th there's, there's been challenges, but um, it, it has taught me how to um, collaborate more with people and build that relationship or people respect me and know what my abilities are. Well, as a former teacher, I'm so sorry that you were treated that way by any teachers. That kind of treatment has always gotten under my skin. Um, I and I hope 
that it, I mean, because it sounds like you said there were a few instances. So hopefully that meant that you had much better teachers and, and, um, or even just better, maybe not much better, but that, that thankfully they weren't all that way. Um, and uh, I, one of the other reasons that I'm doing this is to try to bring awareness to our educators because I've heard comments along that type of thinking where, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want to deal with you. I don't know how to deal with you. I can't deal with you. Um, or they make assumptions about intelligence. I'm not sure how being blind and, and being um, able to do schoolwork are connected. Um, I mean, as far as your inability to do schoolwork. So I'm trying, I'm hoping that these will, these uh, will reach educators and help them do better. Um, Maya Angelou says, or Angelo says <laughs> that, you know, when we know better, we do better. And I'm, I'm really trying to make that happen um, because it, it breaks my heart. And I, I have worked with students whose gen ed teachers just beat them down without realizing that that's what they're doing. And, you know, these kids don't say anything because the teacher is the one in charge, is the one that they're supposed to be looking up to and supposed to be respecting and, and following directions from and whatnot. And I've, I've known kids whose self-esteem has just been awful because yeah. it's years and years of being beat down. Yeah, um, it breaks my heart. And that's why I was so excited when I discovered that you um, do these weekly discussions because yes, I, I pray that you are getting out there and people are listening to your um, your voice because you, you have important messages to go out to the um, educational community because it is broken, unfortunately, the system. Yeah. I'm not saying all the teachers are, but just the system, the administration and their policies and everything um, is not always conducive to get the best out of us folks that do have disabilities. Right. And I have found in talking with a lot of the, the families that I've had the privilege to get to know over my teaching career that it isn't just teachers. Um, when some of the parents were told of their children's diagnosis, it it was very cold and very matter of fact, and there didn't seem to be sometimes any compassion that the parent received. You know, I don't, I've never gotten that sort of news from a doctor. So maybe the doctors are delivering it as compassionately as they know how, but it's just such a harsh thing to hear sometimes that it's maybe there is just no way to make it easy to hear or I'm sure it's never easy, no matter how acceptable to hear it. Um, and, and, you know, so that's another group that I'm hoping, you know, will hear this because um, one of the parents that I am good friends with still today has said, you know, when they gave me my daughter's diagnosis when she was a week old, they did not realize that the diagnosis they were giving was an every minute of every day for the rest of my child's life diagnosis. And I do think we, we don't necessarily think about that. Yeah. Um, you know, that 
you know, it's not a cold. It's not going to go away. It's not pneumonia. It's not, um, you know, maybe a heart defect that can be fixed with surgery or that they might grow out of somehow. Um, So, yeah, it just, hopefully. Yeah, I I hope you reach that audience too. And I do feel like... um, the uh, the the medical community and even school, but medical community, we're just another number, and they don't treat us like humans with compassion. And everything it's just like okay, this is another item I need to get off my to do check off list. Um, when, when you're giving those types of diagnoses, yes, I would totally agree, Shelley, that they need to take extra pause um, to understand what the long-term impacts are for not just that child, but their families and everything. Um, I can even share with you how I got notified of my son's diagnosis of autism. And we actually did not get diagnosed until 10 years. He, he was 10 years old. It was not due to me and my husband not trying. Um, we had went to specialist after specialist um, because we had a lot of behavioral issues. Um, I didn't know at the time, but we had tons of sensory issues, which then were triggers to behavior issues. Um, but we had went to the ENT, we went to a sleep doctor because he would never sleep at night. First 10 years of his life, I, I don't think he slept any more than an hour each night. Um, and uh, which means I was also sleep deprived. So that didn't help. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, but, um, we finally got a diagnosis of ADHD at age eight. Um, I knew, I knew that they were just giving me a diagnosis just to help shut me up. Um, <laughs> um, but I knew motherly instincts that that still wasn't the right diagnosis. Um, finally at age 10, when he was got, he got kicked out of school again, due to the excessive behaviors, um, I took him to our um, psychiatrist and I basically stayed in the office and demanded that I would not leave until he got tested for more things and I had some answers. So they actually did test him that afternoon. It helps to be sometimes a grizzly bear. (laughs) (laughs) Mama bear has to come out. I mean, it just happens. (laughs) But when I do, people know it. Um, um, So then um, three days later, as my husband and I um, left the um, DSW, Designer Shoe Warehouse, now your audience knows where my weak point is, my shoes. <laughs> but, um, okay, so, so if you want to bribe her, I apparently you do it with shoes. <laughs> um, so my husband and I was walking out of DSW. I was a happy camper because I ha- went on a little shopping spree again. My husband was probably depressed because he was all kinds of the credit cards the next month the bill but and we get a phone call it's from the doctor's office and it was actually the nurse saying we have your child's diagnosis or um, results back it appears he has pdd and os first of all what the hell was that i don't right. know <laughs> right and yeah so, I said, uh, and that is, and she says, oh, it's a form of autism. If you'd like to hear more information about this, um, feel free to call back our office um, to get an appointment. Click. That's all I got. And I was like standing there 
in the parking lot. And I did, I, I just started bawling. I thought it was a death wish for my son. It was like, okay. I had only known at that point in my life, um, the classic autism being nonverbal and you're just kind of rocking in the corner and, um, everything. So I, I, that's the only vision I had. It was like, so I was in denial going, well, he's, he doesn't have classic autism, but then it was like, oh my God, if this is what it has, what's his future going to be like? Mm-hmm. That, that was just totally cold and inappropriate to give a parent news like that. When that had never been on the table for discussions um, right. with any doctor. Um, so then once again, to carry on my story from the medical community that is broken to the school community, I at that time thought I was being a good mama bear and so I told the school what the diagnosis came out to be. At that time, he was actually in the general education classrooms. He had some pullout time um, for some special assistance for reading and math. Um, but the majority of his time, he was in general ed. And as soon as they received that, di- heard of that diagnosis, I thought it would give him even more social and emotional support in the general ed classroom for he could be even more available to learn instead of having behavioral issues. Lo and behold, within 48 hours of me telling the school about his diagnosis, they had moved him over to the BD room, which is the behavioral disorder room. Mm -hmm. And it took me forever until we changed actually school districts um, to get him out of that room. And um, since he already had behaviors due to sensory issues and everything, uh, life even got worse for us in the behavioral disorder room because he, mim- he mimicked the other behaviors he was seeing. Right. So the system and the school system also um, did not work for me. <laughs> but uh, the silver lining, anyone that talks to me, works with me, um, gets to know me. I, I'm a very positive thinker. The cup's always half full. So there's always silver lining. But th- that was the movement, my passion um, that ignited me to become a master IP coach because I didn't want any other family to be out there um, struggling like I did for that first 10 years of my son's life of not knowing how to support him at the school and making sure that every child that has an IEP or a 504 plan does get those appropriate supports and services and not have that false sense of security that the school is um, having your son or daughter's best interest in mind because they don't unfortunately necessarily would have their best interest in mind if you don't know what you're asking for or looking for. Yeah, yeah. And that's also one of the reasons that I became a master IEP coach because having worked in the school systems for so long and having attended hundreds of IEP meetings and just seeing the parents and and how they wanted different things, not necessarily more, but different, but they didn't know necessarily how to ask or they didn't use the right terminology. and also seeing them be very overwhelmed by the whole document. And speaking of, you know, getting a diagnosis like your son's over the phone, um, you know, you had an inkling that something else was happening. And so you, I feel, probably were a little 
um, buffered already, but it's it's a different feeling, I think, to to think that there is something and to be told that there is something. And I we I feel like we do that in the education system frequently because you know parents will come in and ask for their child to be evaluated for special education because they're seeing something, whatever. And so they go through the evaluation process and then we sit at this meeting and for the first time ever, their suspicions are verified. And it's one thing when you suspect something, but, you know, and, and it's just blurted out. Oh, your child has a learning disability. Oh, your child has, um, you know, ADHD that, that are, well, and sometimes it's, we don't know that it's ADHD, but your, your child has a lot of behaviors that keeps them distracted and unable to focus and, you know, da, 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 whatever, whatever, because as a school, we can't give a medical diagnosis such as that, but, um, you know, it's the same thing. They get that, just that, that like smack in the face, I guess, is. It is. That's a good way to describe it, Shelly. Yep. And, you know, and I've seen those, I've been in those meetings and, um, I've known families who have had those meetings. I had one family that um, she was told, and this was, gosh, her son is 35 now. So this was 20-ish years ago, I think, 25, um, when they still used the the word retarded. And she was sitting in a meeting and the um, had, that had never been said to her. her. Her child had had lots of behavior issues, had some academic issues, but they always thought it was because of the behaviors and he wasn't in class long enough to get the academics. And then all of a sudden at 10, I think it was, um, she was sitting in this meeting and she said, well, uh, or the, the people there said, well, because your child has da-da-da-da-da um, and he's mentally retarded and da-da-da-da-da, and they just kept going. And she was like, what? what did you just, and I mean, she's, you know, she was like, I had the wind knocked out of me. I had never heard that. Just coming over you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, everybody has to get better, you know, whether that's the, the school districts, the, um, the medical professionals. Um, I, I, I know too many stories that, um, that has happened and it's, I'm sure that it's, or at least I hope it's not the majority. I hope it is a, a small minority, but even that small minority, we need to do better. Um, we have a question for you. Oh. <laughs> um, says, how do you use... Kelly, we were talking so much. I've... <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, remember, I have you for like, you know, a really long time today. So <laughs> we've already been talking for 26 minutes, almost wow. 27 minutes. Um, so says, how do you use the limits society places on you for bettering yourself or putting yourself in a box? Mm, that's a very good question. Very good question. Um, you know, I always, I always, and it's usually talking in my head of when someone does put a limit on me, I always say to myself, but why not? And that, that, and I never can find a good enough reasoning why I can't do it. So then I just do it. I, 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 I ignore what people say I can't do. Um, sometimes when people have told me or even talked about my son in IEP meetings, um, I also use the phrase, um, if you don't feel 
that my son can do it, or if you don't feel I can do it due to our disabilities, what can we do to make it happen? Hmm. So kind of put that um, burden back on that person that's challenging you that you can't do it due to your disabilities instead of trying to absorb all of that um, burden onto yourself. Um, right. That's when people's um, self-esteem gets chipped down when people keep saying, you can't do this, you won't be successful at this, um, don't even try this because of all your disabilities. And that's when your self-esteem chips down versus if you kind of flip it and it's like, but why can't I? And what can be done to allow me to do that if that is an aspiration for yourself? That's awesome. That's, yeah. that's a great answer. Um, and the person who asked this is I do another um, broadcast every week called Friday with Fran. Oh, and, yes. and it's Fran who asked that question. Oh, so, so, <laughs> so yeah, you'll have to come, you'll have to come join Friday with Fran and um, yeah, she, she has um, two children with disabilities that have, they have had those since birth and she herself um, had an accident. Well, it was not an, it was concussions and a stroke a few years ago. And so now she is dealing with having some disabilities and trying to um, manage all of that. And she's, she's doing a beautiful job. Um, her children are beautiful. Um, unfortunately, um, her one child is in a residential facility and she hasn't been able to see him in something like a hundred, almost 150 days. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And um, so, yeah, so Fran is, Fran is an awesome, awesome mom. She's an awesome person. Um, so yeah, definitely have to come join me on Friday. This week, I'll, I'll jump ahead um, because this was going to be at the end, but I'll say it now since we're talking about Fran. Um, we're talking about the cup and it's something that is related to her life. And um, that's all I'm going to say about it. But so you want to join in Friday at one central. <laughs> Same channel, same space. <laughs> um, so tell me, so we've talked about your disabilities. We've talked about your sons and the limits that society has tried to put on you because of that. Um, you became a master IP coach, but you also have Mosaic Haven, which I think you had before you became a master IP coach. I did. I did. Tell us about Mosaic Haven. Okay. Mosaic Haven um, came about really when my son, um, that age 10 um, scenario played out that I spoke about earlier, where I, I finally got our son in a good spot, educationally wise, um, and us at home, we were working better as a unit. We finally understood what our son's needs were and how we could effectively support him. Um, so so we had an enjoyable family um atmosphere here because for, for a while there was very volatile volatile due to his behaviors um and during those darkest days when we were dealing with behaviors not understanding um his diagnosis or anything um i i, I had numerous meltdowns um locking myself in the bathroom crying it out each day and every day and then picking myself up and brushing myself off and moving forward to the next day but during those um, times, uh, I would tell my husband over and over again that this is not right. No family should be suffering the way we are. And when we, I finally get our family 
um, to a good spot, I want to be able to give back to the special needs community and help them um, get the resources that they need and the supports that they need so they're not following the same journey as we have. Um, and so when I got our family in a good spot, my husband, you know, called me out on that going, hey, <laughs> you remember how many times you were on that bathroom floor crying and you were saying that and the times here now, Lisa. And um, so that that's where Mosaic Haven came about. And the name is, you know, we all have different pieces of our puzzle. A lot of them are beautiful pieces. Some are very jagged. Um, but mosaic if you bring all the pieces together they create a beautiful mosaic masterpiece in a very safe haven with my business um because i get it i i've i've lived it personally myself um i've now also lived it with my son's disability um so i understand the system i understand the struggles of families um and i have that extra compassion because of the different roles i've played um, and so how I started, why I started Mosaic Haven is really to um, be a resource to families, to allow them to know um, where they could get help throughout the community, giving them behavioral strategies that um, I learned the hard way um, through their different family therapies we went through with our son and everything. And to get a lot of questions, it started kind of organically the family's questions were starting to be more about school and IEPs and I knew how to advocate for my son but to advocate to help advocate for other people I, I, I didn't quite know how to do that but once again it was a challenge and I was up for it um, because that was part of my mission if the, if the special needs community families are needing help from an IEP perspective by gosh I'm gonna um, dig into it. So that's where um, I became a master IP coach um, through Catherine Witcher's um, program um, about four years ago. And um, part of Mosaic Haven now, I'm a master IP coach there. And really my niche has evolved. As you know, Shelly, our mentor, Catherine Witcher, always says, you know, figure out what your, your specialty is and mm -hmm. um, everything for your business. And so my big specialty is making sure that our children um, that has an IEP 504 gets prepared for the real world, gets future ready, um, not ready based on the 1980s, how life looked like, but now for, you know, 2021 and beyond. And that future readiness does not happen between 14 and 21. That is a small window of period of time to try to get our children ready, that we need to give them ready through their IEP long before that. I mean, we can start getting that, those skills built um, already in kindergarten, first grade and everything. And so part of my um, business is a future ready program where it is primarily focused of specialized programming for ages 14 to 21 to get them prepared for the real world. Um, and so the, it's called Future Ready Program. And we uh, the four pillars that we really focus on is that money management, independent living skills, job readiness um, skills, and um, 
um, so uh, social uh, social communication slash self advocacy, um, and those four pillars are touched upon in school, right? But not adequately, not to the detail and in depth that these kids really need to be successful in life after high school. And so I I always tell people Mosaic Haven we're bridging that gap of what currently exists out there and has existed to where these kids really need to be prepared. And I'm bridging that gap to make sure they are prepared because they're not fortunate. A significant amount of these kids are not prepared for the real world after high school based on what they're getting from school. And then with COVID-19 um, challenges on top of that, they're really, um, you know, underdogs now of getting ready for life after high school. So I'm bridging that gap with customized programming. And you you just had what you call your camp, right? Yes. We just and tell us a little bit about that and what that is. And if any, now I'm, I presume that it's only for people in your area or can anyone from around the country come? Yes, um, actually each community um, brings us into their community. Contacts, okay. we customize the curriculum and we go to their community and we execute upon it. Um, so it's because why we go to that community for we can make it real life for them, for we're giving them the resources that's within their own community. It's not theory based. It's practical, hands-on, interactive approach for our programs. So um, right now we're, we're going any place throughout the state of Iowa and we're already starting to get um, conversations started with people out of state for us to come to their communities. And basically it is where um, we're, we have a simulated apartment where they're simulating independent living. So they're learning how to um, wash, uh, do the dishwasher, how to look at expiration dates on food, um, where to store the food, budgeting of their food and meal planning, or even laundry. They're actually doing laundry. They're actually having to clean and maintain their home down to learning how to change the light bulb um, in a lamp safely. W understand what to do if the toilet plugs and things like that. Um, we also roll my daughter. <laughs> she, she'll be 21 in November. No, she knows those things. I'm just kidding. But I mean, that, that sounds, that sounds like a fabulous program. And, and like you said, it is touched upon in school, but it, for the gen ed population, it's not enough. No. And it's most definitely not enough for the special education population. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm serious, not, not for my daughter, but I'm seriously going to uh, pass your information along to our local high schools because we have a couple in our area that have life skills programs at our high school level. Um, I don't know if they go as in-depth yeah. as what you're talking about. So that would be, I'd love to have you come see me in Southern Illinois. In <laughs> uh, our community, the special needs community, the best way for them to learn um, and accelerate that learning and engagement is to have it hands-on and as real as possible. Them doing worksheets and everything, they don't get it as much. They, it, all the puzzle pieces don't fit together. And along with that, yeah, we have a simulated apartment, 
but we actually go out into the community. So they learn how to use the local transportation, you know, the bus service, or even how to safely use Uber and Lyft if they need to. So they're actually, you know, calling and making sure that they can make their transportation arrangements. We're actually going into businesses and we don't just tour the business, but I've developed, I develop relationships with the local businesses where we go in and we actually hands on a system that day. So they get that job experience in the cash register or in the back, um, back room to stock shelves, different things. So they have that hands-on experience um, mm-hmm. to understand. I can assess where they are on job skills, but we know what skills that they need to continue to work on. Um, but they also get to figure out what kind of maybe they like retail better than manufacturing and things like that. Um, and then we always have um, interviews. We actually do a reverse inter- uh, job interviews where the kids all sit at a table and employers come in and they go around to all the tables with the kids, interview them. Um, we've already prepped the kids with their resumes and everything. And um, where possible that they are able to get internships through that process where the employer goes, you know what? I think you might be a good fit. We'd love for you to come in and do some internships and everything. So, and then the fabulous, and the big thing is budgeting and financial Mm -hmm. literacy where um, we actually have a game of life where throughout the entire camp where they actually have a credit card, they learn how to write their checks, do their balancing, and they always spin a wheel at least twice a day to have that whammy of unexpected expenses that you might get throughout the month versus the budgeting of your typical right. Yeah, That is so awesome and so amazing. And so this camp is what, a week long or is it? It's typically about four weeks long. Four weeks long. Okay. Four weeks. Um, we did do it with an organization earlier this summer. That was five weeks. Once again, I believe wholeheartedly that every child is unique and has unique needs. And so we customize it based on what the organization wants to focus on and or what that community of um, children that we're going to be targeting will need too. So it can vary um, between, you know, two weeks to four or five weeks, just depends on what, how intensive that they want um, to get into. Okay. And when we're talking camp, where like, they just come to you, they don't spend the night at this camp, they go home at night, right? Yes, they do come home. So we our typical time is from nine to four o'clock. And the other unique thing about our camp is um, the, the kids have half the time, the kids already know that they're learning life skills. <laughs> um, when they come to camp um we always make breakfast and we make lunch and guess who makes the meals they pick out the meals they all help cook so they're learning cooking life skills they don't know that but that's what they're doing (laughs) right right no exactly yeah And, and again you know that totally plays into that to the hashtag no limits that this is about because so often businesses incorrectly assume that someone with special needs and depending on the severity of the special need, um, oh, you know, I can't hire them. They're not going to be a good worker. They're not going to understand the directions. 
Um, they're not going to show up on time. They're not going to understand, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever all the, the things are that limit society from delving into this great population. Yeah. Um, and like you said, some are into manufacturing and some are into, you know, maybe wanting to be more of a cashier in a store somewhere or something. And, you know, again, individually, we have to decide, have to look and, and get to know, <clears throat> excuse me, what the likes and dislikes are, because I wouldn't probably want to go into manufacturing. And I've been able to determine that about myself. And nobody has told me, oh, you have to go into manufacturing because whatever. Um, and so I'm, this kind of program is really exciting for me to hear about. And I'm so excited as well that you're hoping to branch out and, you know, I can see little Mosaic Haven um, and, and future ready camps all over the country. Well, said that wrong, Shelly. I hope. No, you will. You okay. Will. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking forward to when I see future all across the country because <laughs> then I can go I knew the I know the founder and I knew her when she first started this <laughs> and the, the program is so much more than um what the students gain because with my partnerships and the community I'm providing them the employers the community with self-awareness and acceptance um, with that additional knowledge that they're having by interacting with these kids. But also all the information that we collect during the, the, the camp um, is also packaged up and provided to the parents. So they actually, and you'll love this, Shelly, they also have data that they can use to be able to self-advocate for their children at the IEP table even better because they have all of this information to know what they can do, what some of the areas of challenges might be, to, to get that IEP, those goals designed in such a way that they could continue progress of those skills throughout the school year before I see them again the next time in the next camp. That's, that's so awesome. And for an ongoing continuum of learning. Yeah. yeah. And, and, Lisa knows that my, like, I'm, I'm a nerd. I love to look at data and I love to have that data and say, okay, well, according to the data, this is happening or this isn't happening. And data drives the present levels of performance. And that's what drives the goals and objectives to an IEP. Absolutely. And so um, for anyone who is watching this and doesn't know, the IEP is the Individualized Education Program that helps guide the specially designed instruction in public schools for special education. And so it's all connected. And so often we get a lot of data mm -hmm. that isn't data. It's, well, I think that they do this, you know, seven out of 10 times, or I, you know, it, they're just never on task. Or, you know, and those aren't good That's enough. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. So, if you happen to need a master IEP coach who loves looking at all the data as well as, you know, knows all the stuff about the IEP, that's me. If you are looking for an IEP coach who can help your child um, transition and be future ready, um, that would be Lisa. 
So I have one last question and then we're going to have to wrap up. Okay. I understand correctly that you also, as well as all this other stuff that you do with Mosaic Haven and the camp, you also work for a corporation? I do. I do. That, <laughs> that has been my um, full-time job um, all of my career. Um, but, um, but now with the Mosaic Haven and how everything is just, exploding um with my business on mosaic haven um the plan is very soon shelly that <laughs> there will be an end date for that corporate world um that um i'm going to be able to do this full time i'm so excited for that because That's i have awesome. more energy into mosaic haven and everything so Awesome. And I would love to talk more about that. I just do want to to cap this because we are coming up to that hour time limit. But um, I presume that there were probably some people as you were growing up, grade school, high school, college, that because you're legally blind said you're never going to have a job, let alone. I mean, you have a. My own business. You have your own business, but you have a high-ranking position in the corporate world in your business, right? I do. So, yeah. you know, again, just those, just, just breaking through those limits and not, not accepting them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, if I look, when I look, because I came from a small um, community when I um, went to school, and so I only had a class of 47. I know, sounds small. <laughs> no, not for, not for the area I'm in. <laughs> Um, when I look back at um, where the, most of those folks are now compared to where I'm at, most of them stayed around their, their, my small hometown, um, and they didn't really make that much of themselves. Um, and then I look at myself, and it's like, so I'm a perfect example that there is no limits. There really is not. So. Amen. Yes, Absolutely. Well, I am so glad that you joined me today, and I'm so happy that you're part of the hashtag No Limits group. Um, you can follow Lisa on Instagram and yep. Facebook, anywhere yep. else? Nope. Okay. And they would look for you under Mosaic Haven, right? Yep. That is All correct. Right. All right. So talking to you again, Shelly. Yeah. So um, if you like this video, please hit the like button and leave a comment. If you're watching on YouTube and you like the video, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Join me here on Friday, as I talked about earlier when we mentioned Fran, um, that we're going to be discussing the cup next week on No Limits. Um, I will be interviewing Katie and Rachel. Rachel has Wolf-Hirschhorn syndrome. And I had to say that slowly because otherwise I was going to mess it up. Um, it is a genetic disorder. So join us to learn all about it and how Rachel is busting through limits that have been put on her because of having that. This is Shelly Kino with Lisa Shaw. And together we are making the world better for all one IEP or one person at a time. Thanks, everyone.